All right, are you ready, James? Ready. Ready. It's a celebration. Let's bring the energy. Yeah, remember your uh, uh, your radio uh, voices and. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> now come along and listen to us talk with the Bon Jam. Go and have a lovely little walk with the Bon Jam. Let me put it on and go to bed with the Bon Jam. Or grab yourself a slice of toast and spread with the Bon Jam. Hello and welcome to Bon Jam with me, Simon Jeffrey, and I'm joined by the foo yuck to my Dom Perignon. It's Mr. James Turner. Hello, Simon. You alright? Yes, very good, thank you. How are you, James? It's been a long time. It's, it feels like too long. Um, 2020, in general, is uh, is kind of a blur. The year that just keeps giving <laughs> us reasons to wish it was over. And reasons to do a podcast as well. Reasons to do a podcast. I'm sure many people have started a podcast over the lockdown period. Mm. Um, some of whom might have even managed more than two episodes in a year. <laughs> but... It's quality, not quantity. That's what and we have YouTube for. specials. We have YouTube specials, so uh, you know, <laughs> of course, let's let's not forget the tier lists that you can find right now on YouTube by searching for Bond Jam. Today, James marks a very special occasion. Today is our tenth episode spectacular. Woo! I'll add some. Yeah, we'll add some. Yeah. We have made it to double digits, James. In only two years, we have reached episode 10. Quite spectacular of achievement, yeah. I'm we aware. are still. Who would have thought all those years ago, when we started Bond Jam episode one, that two years later we would still be in the Connery era of films? <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> and only just in double digits. Yeah. To be fair, it could be worse. We could have given up after episode one. Yeah. But, you know, this is always the plan. This is always a long game that we were playing. Hopefully, some listeners might find us in a few years and, and discover our vast back catalogue of almost 20 episodes by then. Oh, imagine. Can't wait for that day. And uh, they can go back and listen to them all and think, my God, episode one was bad. <laughs> but they found their feet in the second batch-ish. Let's see if we can keep up that momentum throughout this uh, difficult time. <laughs> Indeed. Firstly, before we get into the main bulk of this episode, James, we have actually had some correspondence on our social media. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, what, so what are they saying? I can now confirm, James, that we have at least one listener. <laughs> we have a question here from uh, Calvin Bowes. He actually sent us a whole load of questions and comments. I think he's been binging our previous uh, episodes asking when the next one's out cool he also asked the question what would you think of the next james bond film being set in the 1950s uh, i think it would be cool to go back to the cold war see i've grown up with the brosnan films he was like the bond of my youth yeah. so when people said oh bond should be like in his in his 70s or 80s by now i've always seen bond as a as timeless i've never really felt a need to go back to um a previous time period. I think, um, and we did touch upon this a bit in our Codename episode, I think, about what we'd like to see the series do next. I find it quite difficult to imagine that they'll just go back to the way things were, just by casually swapping the actors out. Who, who knows what the future of the series is, or whether it will stay confined to just feature-length films. Maybe it might branch out into on-demand services or series, and in which case it's easy to imagine that it might become something like a comic book property. Mm. 
like a Spider-Man or a, you know that sort of thing where you can have storylines running concurrently to each other, one in film and one on a streaming service, and they're not canon with each other, you know? It's just, yeah, you know, like uh, the Sherlock Holmes films were coming out at the same time as Sherlock was on TV. Hmm. That's the sort of thing that might happen if the Bond book series ever becomes public domain. Yeah, because I think I was reading somewhere that it might be like near 2030 when that may actually yeah. happen. Uh, at which 10 years is not a long time. No, you might get one Daniel Craig film in that time. <laughs> I think um, if and when the books become in the public domain, then we'll see the whole canon of Bond change. I wouldn't be against a self-contained series of films or a TV series set in that Cold War period. But I don't want to just establish going forward that the whole Bond series is going to be kind of um, a period piece, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the ownership of the property changes, I could see a time where we would get more than one version of Bond at a time. And in that case, I wouldn't mind if one of them was set in the Cold War. Hopefully that answers Calvin's questions. Keep them coming. Uh, Not just Calvin, although I'm sure he will. Uh, On to episode 10. Do you remember in... um, Back in episode 8, we did a Games with James, which was a Room 101. Do you remember that? I do indeed. I have fond memories of that. And do you remember that I said this? I I will not put Roger Moore's grunts in Room 101. (laughs) I almost wonder if we need a Hall of Fame to counteract your Room 101. I will put Roger Moore's grunts in the Hall of Fame as the first entry. <laughs> do you remember that? I do indeed. And it's interesting because when I was uh, thinking of Hall of Fame entries, for some reason Roger Moore's grunts did actually come up. Well, that is it. That is going to be the topic of this uh, episode 10. It's going to be a celebration of the Bond series. We're not picking it apart like you were with your Room 101 picks, James. We are celebrating um, the details, the moments, the sequences that we want to immortalise in our very own Bond Jam Hall of Fame. And... As much as I'd love to, I'm not going to put Roger Moore's grunts in as the first entry, as I promised. But I will kick us off, James, if you'll allow me. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I would like to place, as the very first inductee to our Hall of Fame, Sir Sean Connery. A great choice. Um, obviously, we are recording this um, not long since Sir Sean Connery passed away, which is quite a shock. But um, I mean, he had a fantastic run, didn't mm, he? Absolutely. Um, Subsequent entries into this Hall of Fame will be probably more specific than that, but I thought I'd kick us off with someone who truly deserved to be the inaugural member of this uh, prestigious <laughs> award. I thought maybe we could share a few uh, personal memories of Sean Connery and his impact on us. Um, the star of such classics as Darby O'Gill and The Little People and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and also some other films, I think, as well. Uh, (laughs) When I was thinking, what does Sean Connery mean to me? My first thought is of an English lesson, and I think it was in year seven, I was at middle school, and we were asked to write an autobiography. So we started writing about ourselves Um, about our upbringing and then about what we hope for the future and this was back in the day where 
I was in love with everything Bond, and I was dead set on being an actor. And I wrote this in my autobiography that I hope to be an actor like my favourite actor, Sean Connery. And I wrote the following words. Who has never been in a bad film. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, admittedly, at the time, I think all I had seen was Bond, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. I think The Hunt for Red October and The Man Who Would Be King. I think they're the only films I'd seen from him at the time. Has he only done good films? No. But... That's what my uh, that's what my younger self felt at the time that his was a career to envy and to aspire to, and it's true. He's had a fantastic career, and whether he likes it or not, his career is largely defined by James Bond. Even if the man himself tired of that reputation <laughs> after a while, <laughs> yeah. And I think there is no more worthy recipient of our first spot on the Hall of Fame, James. Yeah. It's, um, I forgot what I was going to say. You weren't expecting me to go in so uh, so sincere. No, no, I, was, I, thought was, I thought you were going to say something like really silly or something really obscure. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh okay. Um, yeah, I'm sure that will come later. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've always appreciated Sean Connery and Dr. No from Much Love Goldfinger. Um, but I never had much love for Thunderball, for example. And when we did the podcast for that, his portrayal of Bond was my ideal Sean Connery Bond. He's very confident, very cheeky. Yes, and, that's um, it. It's the cheekiness, the confidence, uh, the, the mix of them. Wildly inappropriate. Yeah. It's difficult to argue that Connery defined the role and is a very big shadow casting over everyone else who's followed. Well, that's it, yeah. I mean, he he's the Bond that people are always compared to. It's whatever actor takes the role. It genuinely feels like the most any subsequent actor can hope for while they play Bond is to be ranked number two in the various polls and <laughs> newspapers and articles. That's that spot they're all vying for, isn't it? It is, yeah. Because I think there's just a general consensus... And it may not even be our own personal preference, you know. Mm. My favourite Bond film of all time is not a Sean Connery one. But is he the most definitive James Bond? Almost certainly, yes. (laughs) Do you concur, James? I mean, I will ask, do we both agree? But I am hoping that you will agree there that Sean Connery deserves to be in the Bond Jam Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. As with Room 101, maybe I'll put in a sound effect of him being elevated to the... (laughs) Some sort of like heavy music, yeah, yeah, I was going to say. That's a bit on the nose, perhaps. Just a, you know, a kind of immortalised... Do you want to kick us off with with an entry, James? Okay, so um, it's a sequence in a film that isn't regarded as being very good and I don't think it is a very good film and we'll discuss that in further detail when we do the film. So I've chosen the astronaut training centrifuge from Moonraker. Um, For me it's a sequence that um, James Bond is put in a a situation he has no control over and we actually see him in danger and we see it in Bond's face and even when he uh, gets out of the situation he doesn't come back with a quip he could say, oh, I had quite the spin or something like that. He doesn't do that. <laughs> and I've never see, really seen that, especially in a Roger Moore Bond. And not just a, a Roger Moore Bond, but a Roger Moore Bond film at the height of his kind of immortality. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I, I love the way it's built up. 
So he gets faster and faster, and you think, oh my god, how is he going to get out of this? And we even get a little bit of a flashback, and if it was this last moments, the last thing you'd be thinking of was Q's face yeah. and Horse's backside. I really like that editing trick that they used there. Mm. It's quite a rare thing in a Bond film to see a sort of stylized piece of editing in On a Majesty's Secret Service that they it was like the first time that they used like montage to convey a passage of time, for instance. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I always think of the early Bond films particularly as um, being quite kind of workmanlike in their construction. It's kind of cut to this to tell the story, cut to this to show the next shot. Um, but very rare are those moments where there's a more abstract nature to the cutting yeah you know it's it's his memory coming to his rescue in a way yeah um perhaps because it's such a good scene in in what i think is a weak film it stands out more than ever and i think that's why i'd like to put it in the hall of fame well it's not what i expected but and perhaps as we go on i'll become more strict with what goes in the hall of fame but i'm feeling charitable james so let's uh let's put it up there there it goes <laughs> My second pick that I'd like to nominate for the Hall of Fame is the rooftop fight scene from You Only Live Twice. Okay. What an interesting scene you've chosen. The fight on top of Kobe Docks. Mm-hmm. Specifically, just that one shot, the aerial shot. Oh, yes. Of Bond making his way from one side of the roof to the other. And I think I remember seeing in a documentary that. Um, Lewis Gilbert, the director, said, you know, he wanted to do something different. He'd seen fight scenes done in close-ups and confined spaces, and he wondered what one would look like if you shot it from a long way away. So I kind of like his approach there. It shows a slightly more auteurship attitude, which I don't think you get many examples of that in those early Bond films. And I think it has quite a unique effect on how that fight plays out. I think it shows Bond almost at his most invincible. He's never going to die in a long shot like that. (laughs) I just sort of look forward to that shot. I know it's coming. When when we get to Kobe Docks in that film, and I know that shot is coming, I kind of go, oh, here comes the the aerial shot. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm happy to to put that in the Hall of Fame. So, shall we put that in? Yeah, why not? Let's put it in. Up it goes. So... My choice here, this is a bit of a weird one. I'm going to nominate Pierce Brosnan's hair in Goldeneye. (laughs) The reason I've chosen this, Pierce Brosnan's hair in all his films is immaculate. It it gets gets shorter as it goes on, but in Goldeneye specifically, he has this Buffon-style hair, and for some reason, it's a hairstyle that will only suit Pierce Brosnan. I've, I mean, I've tried to grow my hair like Pierce Brosnan, and I just it just looks a mess. But for Pierce Brosnan, I wish I had one more film where Pierce Brosnan's hair was as good as it was in Goldeneye. I would have liked uh, maybe a 1993 Brosnan film, uh, just before Goldeneye, maybe. Just so I could have one more of that hairdo within a James Bond film. I think we've had this conversation before about Brosnan's hair. <laughs> for me, Brosnan's hair has always been my favourite in Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, it's kind of... Um, it's a bit shorter than it is in Goldeneye, but it's longer than it is in The World's Not Enough. Like yeah. I say, it gets shorter and shorter, and Tomorrow Never Dies is probably like the mid-Bosnian haircut. I've always thought that he looks a little too bouffant-ish and maybe a little bit baby-faced in Goldeneye. I still think he had some growing into the role to do. 
I think he comes across a lot more confident in Tomorrow Never Dies, and I don't know if the hair has anything to do with it, but <laughs> I think it's only a haircut Brosnan could own, and I think it's only a haircut you could find in 1995. Yes. <laughs> Go on then, I'll let you have it, James. I will let you have Pierce Brosnan's hair in golden eye in the Hall of Fame, because I think it is different from the ones that followed. Yeah. Okay. And if I want Pierce Brosnan's hair in Tomorrow Never Dies, then I should jolly well nominate it myself, shouldn't I? <laughs> Yay! My next pick is Pierce Brosnan's hair in Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, but it, pro- it probably should be. Um, my third one's a bit vague, because I couldn't really settle on a whole moment. Okay. Maybe you can help me settle on a specific moment of this. Yeah. I couldn't decide, James, between... Two moments in the living daylights. There was the moment that Bond pops the balloon following Saunders' death and seeing the, the smear spionum written on the balloon. Mm-hmm. Timothy Dalton's face at that moment is so intense and so broken and furious and emotional and brilliant. Couple that with the preceding few minutes where he and Saunders have finally seen eye to eye and gained some respect for each other. Mm. The trouble is with this is that the, the good moments just keep going after that point. Yeah. So that whole moment where he just charges after Necros at the funfair and jumps out on a mother and child with his gun out and the look on his face when he realises he's done that yeah. is like... So intense. Yeah, it's it's really cool. The trouble with this is that you get to that moment with um, with Bond and Kara, and um, you know the did you hear, hear from Yogi? Yes, <laughs> I got the message. Um, Good impression. And I was thinking, okay, I'll nominate that whole sequence then. But then we cut to Bond outside uh, Pushkin's residence in Tangiers I guess you've got that little moment with those uh, binocular glasses and then that leads into what perhaps for me is an even better scene (laughs) the scene between him and Pushkin where he confronts him in the bedroom that scene really gave me like a pause for thought there to think oh my god do I can I nominate this whole sequence (laughs) well (laughs) from the from the conversation with Saunders right up to the then I must die. Line. It's a. It's probably quite a lot of the film. Yeah, there, but I mean, they are two scenes you've chosen there. That, um, that can we say that they are two scenes? The scene with Bond and Saunders, and the scene with Bond and Pushkin in his bedroom. Can we can we separate them out, and then can we just put them both in the Hall of Fame? Can I have a two for one? <laughs> we'll go for a two for one because they they are very close to each other in in the film. They are so good. Yeah, they are they are ace. Thank you, James. Don't know whether to do this one, but I'm going to do it anyway because mine is another mine's a Dalton one as well. I imagine you know which Dalton one I'm talking about. Can I guess? Yeah, do you want to guess? Is it in License to Kill? Yes, it is Licence to Kill. Is it a particular facial expression that Timothy Dalton... It is indeed, yeah. yeah. Go on, I'll let you take over. Okay, so so after the tanker chase, we've had this massive brawl on top of the tanker. Uh, The tanker explodes. Bond eventually eliminates Sanchez. And then everything that he's gone through, it's all over. You can rest now. And we just get this moment, a few seconds, where we just see Timothy Dalton kind of 
reflect on everything. It's kind of like he's about to cry, but he's not about to cry. Um, it's kind of one big sigh, and um, it's a, a moment that we, uh, we don't really get in, in many Bond films where you kind of just kind of reflect on everything that's happened. Can I stop you there? Yeah. It's going in the Hall of Fame. Too. Yeah. I almost brought it up myself. So I'm glad we didn't double up on that, but it's a it's a brilliant little moment. Yeah. Off it goes. Go on. <laughs> I don't know what that'll sound. Like. Should we do? Uh, should we do one more each? Yeah, one more each sounds good. Uh, okay, then if I've got one more, then it has to be this. I would like to nominate as my final pick today for the Hall of Fame the 007 theme. Yeah. Yeah, okay. There's lots we can say about Not this. the James Bond theme, but the 007 theme. Yes. A separate theme composed by John Barry for From Rush With Love that was used in subsequent films, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice. Damn Forever. A few Rebecca, others. Yeah. And to me, uh, it's a theme that should be brought back. I agree, yeah. I would love to hear that back again. I think it serves a different purpose to the James Bond theme. I think the James Bond theme can be adapted in many ways. It can be played just the slow opening notes to to build a sense of, you know, an ominous atmosphere. It can be played at fast pace during the heights of a, a frantic action sequence. And it's got different elements that you can use either in its entirety or you can just use little stings or... The da 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 da, you know, yeah. it's very adaptable and versatile. I don't know that the 007 theme is quite as versatile as the James Bond theme. Mm, I don't think it is. But you place that 007 theme in the middle of an action sequence and it transforms that action sequence in a very particular way i feel yeah you know nobody's gonna harm james bond while that theme is playing yeah it's it's like you say bond is invincible when that theme plays yeah more so even than the james bond theme yeah <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah and i wonder why that's maybe why the composers have kind of shied away from it maybe well showing bond as invincible uh doesn't seem to be in the interests of the more recent bond films but i think no, used no. sparingly and used effectively, it could uh, bring the house down. You know? I, I would love to hear a new version of it. I can picture a scene, you know, where it looks like all is over or it looks like the day is lost, but then maybe the uh, the cavalry arrives. or Yeah, maybe you just hear the... Dun, 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 dun. I'll be, oh my God, I'll be like, oh my God, is this it? When that music arrives, it's like, okay, maybe these guys do have a chance. And now they're starting to push back. God, Hans Zimmer, if you're listening, please do it. But I know I know your feelings on this already, James, so I, I probably don't have to ask you this. No, it's going but, in the um, Hall of Fame quite easily, this. I've got one more. Okay, you, you can finish us off then, James. I'd like to put in Christopher Walken's Max Zorin laugh. Um... <laughs> So this actually happens on numerous occasions. Can you give us an impression of that? He does a few different laughs. Uh, one of them is when he finds out who James Bond is. Um, so he's got his computer, his little computer in front of him, hidden away from Bond. And when he finds out that Bond is extremely dangerous, it's like a... <laughs> that sort of like a, <laughs> like a... He's getting tickled. 
<laughs> so, I mean, I just love that moment. Um, and the other time is when he's actually about to die. <laughs> so, um, for some reason, he also... It's like a wheeze, isn't it? Yeah. It's like... <laughs> yeah, I can't really do that laugh. Uh, yeah, and then he falls to his death. Um, yeah, well, I suppose it plays up to the idea of uh, Zorin being one of these kind of uh, psychotic results of Nazi experimentation, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Zorin's up there with my favourite Bond villains, so uh, and that's just one of the reasons why I kind of like Zorin. He just sort of laughs at everything as it goes on. He's laughing as he's gunning down his own men. Yes, yeah. I think yeah. When, when Bond is hanging off the airship and... They're going to drag Bond into all of the uh, the spires and all the aerials of the building. Yes, yes. And he just goes, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the question is, um, is it worth going in the Hall of Fame, though? No! <laughs> I'm going to choose this moment now to say, of course it's going in, James. <laughs> Yay. It's Christopher Walken. <laughs> That just about wraps up our conversation for this episode's Hall of Fame, James. I'm sure we will have uh, future installments of this. This seems like a kind of formula we could come yeah, back yeah, to. Yeah, I think um, there's many more we can choose from. All right, then. Without further ado, let's play games with James. Woo! Games with James. James, um, I'm going to need your help with this a little bit. Okay, I, I always get sweaty when we uh, play games with James because I'm always worried about what's going to what's gonna face me and whether I'll look like an idiot when I'm doing it. Uh, well, be prepared to uh, fulfil that prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a very simple game, James, here. Uh, it's a lip-reading game. Oh, my God. Right, okay. So I'm going to need you at uh, a certain point to mute your speakers yep. because I'm going to say um, some words or phrases from the Bond film series but you're not going to be able to hear me saying that you're just gonna read my lips okay all right are you ready ready as i'll be ready let's play the games with james lip reading game 007 james bondish 007 james bondish gold 007 007 yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. roger moore Roger Moore, easy one, that one. Yes. yes, come on. Miss Moneypenny. Miss Moneypenny? Oh, God, oh, I was a bit unsure on that one. Licence to Kill. Licence to Kill? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rene Mathis. Rene Mathis? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're finding these too easy, Joe. I feel like um, I'm um, cruising Mission Impossible 3 at the minute. Emilio Largo. Emilio Largo. Jambalabam. Emilio Largo. Jambalabam. Emilio Largo. Be good to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, yeah. No. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> Emilio Largo. I feel, I feel I've got the B part. I feel that is B. B. Uh, <laughs> no, obviously not. A view to a kill. View to a kill. Yes. Yeah! Come on. Miranda Frost. Miranda Frost. Pierce Brosnan. No. Oh, I swear Miranda that was Pierce Frost. Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Miranda Frost. Racist office? <laughs> sounds like another Rene Mathis. I swear it was Pierce Brosnan. Miranda Frost. I've never looked at your mouth so much before. <laughs> 
Miranda Frost. Wing Bong? Wing Bong? Wing Bong, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Vodka Martini. Vodka Martini. You also like saying Rene Mathis again. Vodka Martini. Octopussy. Octopussy. No, not even close. Oh, damn it. Vodka. Roger. Martini. Martin. Roger Martin. <laughs> All right. Last one. Come on. We've got to get last one here. You only live twice. Roger says so. <laughs> you only live twice. Josie's not person. You, o- <laughs> you only live twice. Uh, again. Again. You. You. Only. What? Live Twice. You, I, I think, I think there's a you at the start. You only you live are twice. Nissen. You, you, only, Chris, live, reason, twice. You, twice. Oh, I, I think you're saying swear words now. <laughs> you, twice. <laughs> you only live twice. You, you only live twice. Only live twice. Yes, yes. You only live twice is correct, James. Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, that was... Uh, some bits were like, oh, yeah, this is a doddle. And then... Shall I try the ones that you missed now? Yeah, with yeah. The sound on and see if you understand them when I'm actually saying Yeah, yeah. Emilio Largo. Oh, God. I, wouldn't, I don't think I could have... And you were convinced yeah. there was a B in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Emilio. <laughs> the yeah, it's because the, the, the M makes, face, yeah, makes it look like a B. And number eight, the one that I think you were convinced was Pierce Brosnan. Oh, yeah. Was Miranda Frost. I should have been able to get that one, really. I think Did you've you got enjoy that m- one, James? But then, yeah, m- it's the m sounds I get mixed up with the b, maybe. <laughs> well, uh, that was Games with James, James. I finished on uh, You Only Live Twice there for a reason, because that is, of course, going to be the subject of episode 11. Yes. Which will be coming your way at some point in the next five years, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm looking forward to you all live twice because uh, I think there's some really great moments and things that are uh, not so great. Um, but yeah, I think we'll have a good debate about that one. You're picturing being turned into a Japanese man when you say that, aren't you, James? <laughs> <laughs> I am indeed. Yeah, I, it should be a really interesting one. It was the first Connery Bond film. I saw as part of that Double O Heaven ITV marathon. I rewatched it endlessly. It was great fun as a child, and uh, it's got some of the most famous and most parodied and spoofed moments of the Bond series. It is a larger-than-life cartoon of a movie written by celebrated children's author Roald Dahl. (laughs) Um, But like you say, it has got some great moments, some slightly wonky moments... And some that probably shouldn't have happened in the first place. <laughs> so I look forward to our discussion on that. Uh, but for now, uh, we'll leave it there. That was episode 10, our Hall of Sp- Hall of Spain? <laughs> the Hall of Fame Spectacular in celebration of 10 episodes of Bond Jam and some of the greatest moments of the Bond series from Sir Sean Connery to Piers Brosnan's hair. And I'm sure we'll come back to this in the future. Yeah. But until we do, uh, there's always a chance to get your questions to us on social media. So uh, we really appreciate it, actually. If you have been listening, it's nice to know we're not just screaming into the void. Um, so 
if you have anything any comments or questions or features you'd like us to uh, include in a future episode then do get in touch and uh, where can they do that James um where can they do that? <laughs> um, YouTube comments. If you want to put them on YouTube comments, Spotify. We've got a website. I've got an email. I've got an email address. Wait, yeah, it's, I don't. I mean, I haven't checked it in a while, but uh, imagine um, if, if there's just hundreds of questions and comments waiting there for us. I know. Yeah, uh, we could have. Best so way many to people. get in touch is to send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Bonjamcast, and we will reply, as I did to Mr. Calvin Bowes. Thank you for your comments, Calvin. Um, we, I will be incorporating some of your Games with James ideas into future episodes. Uh, but until then, stay safe. Stay conforming to your rules and restrictions of whatever tier you're in. <laughs> and don't forget to spread that jam. Never, ever forget. In spite of everything else that's been going on in the world, don't you dare forget to spread that jam. <laughs> All right, that's it for now. Take care. Cheerio. It's like we've forgotten how to end these things, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>